Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk from MediaVillage.com. I am your host, Juan Ayala. In each episode, we'll be bringing you exclusive interviews with rising stars of television and media, highlighting topics such as diversity, inclusivity, and representation. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to talking. Today, I am joined by a wonderfully talented group of people from film, television, and Broadway for our very first roundtable episode, this time in celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Joining me today is Stephanie J. Park from the National Tour of Hamilton, TJ Christian as seen on the Fox series The Resident, Erica Wong from the Broadway production of Phantom of the Opera, and Johnny Wu from NBC's New Amsterdam, and the upcoming Denzel Washington-directed film A Journal for Jordan. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Cool to hear everyone's things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks for having us. This is... Uh... This is very warm of you to invite us to um, a forum where we can talk about being who we are in this industry that we're in. Um, so especially in a time like the present uh, and the amount that Asian people are enduring. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely appreciate the um, the avenue to, to, Absolutely. to express some thoughts. Uh, no better time than now than to, to, to share a platform and to give folks a platform to, to like you said, to express yourselves and to share your experiences and, and speak on uh, whatever is on your guys' mind. So um, I wanted to start with the performances, you know, whether it's film or a series or anything in which you first felt represented or seen. Uh, and Stephanie, I wanted to start with you. Sure. Um, so... There are two things that I felt most seen in. The first one is Minari, which is just like, I'm Korean American. The amount of Konglish they spoke, which is like a mix between Korea and Korean and English was like perfect to me. Mm -hmm. There are so many references I understood. Um, and then the less obvious one, which I guess is still obvious was Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I'm definitely not rich or glamorous in any way, but it was just nice to see Asians being the main characters, not the side characters, and also being Asians or seeing Asians represented as these glamorous, gorgeous, like model-esque, rich, you know, like all of those adjectives that normally I don't feel like Asians are represented as. So I think those are my two. And uh, TJ, what about you? I got to say, um, to be honest, even like all is Ahmed films, um, every single one of his films and uh, even Slumdog Millionaire. I know a lot of Indians don't like that movie because it was portrayed in a very, uh, you know, they talked about the poverty a lot, but it is also true. There's a lot of poverty there, you know, and it was a brilliant movie because it showed the essence of India, uh, the hardships and the reality of it. <clears throat> and even the movie Lion, there's just every single movie I, f I feel with degree it was shown, the, the truth was shown. The only problem, I think, I can speak for Indians, we have a problem is because it's not all we are, right? They don't show it all. They only show some parts of it, but it's still the parts they show is true. Um, <clears throat> I think that's where the challenge is for <clears throat> people to accept these films. I mean, more and more films, The Lion, for example, I don't know if you guys saw it, um, with Dave Patel, who was nominated for the Oscar. He was adopted by Australian parents, Indian kid. You know, and then he goes back and finds his real parents in India. So he makes that journey from Australia to India. So that was beautiful to watch because him, you can see a guy who's <clears throat> in Australia, you know, not so Indian anymore, but he wants to go back to his roots and really find who, you know, who his mother was. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, those were the movies and any Riz Ahmed film and he's doing more and more. The recent one would be, you know, Sound of Metal, uh, where yeah. it, it's Ruben. Any, any one of us could have played Ruben right now. Um, <clears throat> it's not Indian, but he is an Indian, Pakistani Indian dude. So yeah. And uh, Erica, does any performance stand out for you? Yeah, um, I really enjoy Fresh Off the Boat. Uh, for, mm. Yes, yes. Um, and it's part of it is like the little things, like literally like seeing a rice cooker on the countertop. I'm like, yes, I know that. And some of these references. And um, I think a lot of it is also just my parents started their own uh, business as well. So I think I really relate to that and that struggle and the stress. And of course, all those cultural clashes I totally relate to as well. So I think that would be probably the first thing that comes up to mind. And uh, Johnny, I noticed that you hadn't written a response or you had said no when I asked the question. So I'm curious if you could speak on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I figured I just like off the bat, like be, be, be that guy, you know, in the, in the group. Uh, you guys are all very positive and uh, inspiring and that's fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I guess generally I'm optimistic about where we're headed, but in terms of what's available for uh, me to latch onto currently sort of looking at American produced projects, right? Um, I still think that like even things with fresh off the boat, crazy rich Asians, I'm just waiting for a time where we can do this forward moving work without having to announce in the title that we are doing that work because there is something very hammerful about calling a network show fresh off the boat. I know that it's based off of Eddie's book uh, with the same title. I actually, however many years ago, I actually turned down the audition for Randall's part. Um, <laughs> well, mo mostly because I was way too young to, to play any sort of dad at the time anyway. But I, you know, I'm an immigrant to this country. I came to the States when I was eight. And so fresh off the boat is very much a specific turn that I heard thrown at me uh, in a negative light. And so um, my problem with putting a show titled that, uh, that does include, you know, a, a, an, sort of fully Asian series regular cast. Uh, I think the problem with that approach is that it doesn't put the project in the optimal place for it to change minds off the bat. Uh, when you title something called Fresh Off the Boat, there are a huge percentage of the population in this country that will immediately take that as something that is not for them. And so I think it continues to illuminate the otherness that is associated with our ethnicity. And that is a position that I would like uh, for us to move forward from. Same thing with Crazy Rich Asians. It's like, it's like uh, I know that's also the book title, but we're in a place right now where we have to be pretty 
explicit to our audience in saying, hey, I'm trying to fight for my people. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to a time where we don't have to be that overt. Yeah. Um, similarly, there's an actor who I've had um, on this show and on my other podcast. Uh, his name is Troy Iwata. He is um, he was on Dash and Lily mm -hmm. on Netflix and he is biracial. Um, he had spoken about, uh, similarly to your point, how he loved how the writers of that show had not made the families, because um, his character was also biracial, um, and, and the parents, you know, the dad was white, the mom was, um, was Japanese, and he loved how the writers of the show didn't make that aspect of the characters any part of the show's storyline. Cause it was a Christmas show and it's just, it's not about, um, there were parts of tradition of, of, of what a Japanese Christmas looks like uh, and how they celebrate it in, in, in their own way. And I just thought it was really interesting, Johnny, the point you made, how there's so much of a focus on ethnicity and race in these shows. And it, you kind of just wish like, can't we just exist without announcing it in everything, you know? So I totally understand what you mean. Um, and, you know, yeah. and above all, it's not, it's why not just general representation is important, but also meaningful representation because, you know, what kid doesn't want to see themselves, their family, their culture, and their reality reflected in film or, or TV or even a commercial um, or an ad, you know? So it's such a huge impact on us, not just as artists, but as people, as kids growing up. And, um, you know, I bring up meaningful representation because I'm sure we've all been, the subject of tokenism, whether it's on screen or on stage. Um, and while at times stereotypes can be rooted in reality, they're often played up, um, you know, bordering on offensive if it isn't written thoughtfully. So are there any particular stereotypes that you hope just kind of like disappear in, in the near future? Uh, Eric, I wanted to start with you. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people assume like, particularly like East Asians are very, very book smart. And I think actually a lot of Asians. So I think, I would like to see a bit more complexity there um, as a model minority. And, you know, although like, you know, we're not typically um, seen as like terrorists, but like, you know, we have to honor everyone's, everyone is, you know, a human, each human being is very complex. And I think I would, you know, I don't mind being a doctor, but I would, you know, there are other characters I also wish to explore. Um, so I think um, in my specific case, I would like to be seen in more in a more complex light. And um, I think the stereotype of being a doctor, um, a crazy rich Asian, <laughs> you know, is something that I would like to kind of move past from in my particular case. Uh, TJ, what 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 do you have to say about uh, stereotypes? I actually don't mind stereotypes, to be honest. Um, so, because for me as an actor, let's just say I go in, you know, to play like a terrorist, Uber driver, doctor. Um, when I'm on set, no one's going to look at me, you know, and think, oh, he's a terrorist or he's a cab driver. They're going to look at me as he's an actor. He's a working actor. So I'm going to respect him as an actor. You know, so for me, I, I want to work at the end of the day. And 
also there is truth to the stereotypes you know there's a lot of uber drivers who are indians there's a lot of cab drivers new york city is full of cab drivers who are indians it's fine it's the truth you know for me and there's a lot of doctors in the us who are indians you know they're good doctors i would not go to i would go to an indian doctor if i want to get some myself checked i would because i trust them more um so i have no problems you know if if i go in for um play doctor uber driver or terrorist i actually don't mind because at the end of the day you know i'm i'll be respected as an actor a working actor and they all going to look at me as that they're not going to look at me as an uber driver they're not going to look at me as a terrorist right so but i do understand that i think after a point you do you do have a say in how, what you want to play you do it you've seen it happen all the time riz ahmed is a perfect example uh current sony i don't know if you guys know who he is he's the he's a cab driver at deadpool with ryan reynolds the funny indian and he's mm-hmm. he's um starring i mean he's in the show uh called miracle workers with red daniel radcliffe he's not even playing the indian role he's just playing a dude you know um so things can change you know so i i don't shy away from stereotypes the one thing about stereotypes i would say is uh, you got to be accurate right especially with the language uh with the costumes just be accurate and on the set of resident uh we had some issues with the language because they were trying to make us say a certain thing and it didn't make sense uh we had to you know really fix that and also the costume it didn't make sense and then we had to change it so that's about it you know the accuracy is what i like and one really specific thing which i would really like to change specifically for south asians you know in india we have a lot of fair looking indians like me and i'm not dark you know for some reason in the us they're obsessed with dark looking indians uh, indian you know indian means he has to be dark so whenever i get an audition to play an indian i'm like i don't have it i'm not going to get it i'm indian though my whole family is indian i have like i'm the purest ever like you know purest kind uh so i go you know before covid i go to the audition room i'm sitting there with all these indian dudes other actors wonderful actors but they all look way more indian because they are darker i'm sitting there i'm not going to get this and i never get it you know so i just wish maybe they realize they try to understand that a lot of fair looking indians they could keep the accent i don't care they can keep the um the back story uh very stereotypical i don't really care but i really hope you know they really you know not be obsessed with the dark looking indians i hope that changes that's the only thing i would like to change for south indians at least <clears throat> i can speak from yeah and johnny what about you listen i i i i think um just to go off your point of of recognizing that there are fewer opportunities for you um because of the the shade of of your skin um and what i'm i guess the question that that thought allows me to pose is do you think that the work that we do right we tell these stories okay whether we tell it you know in a 80 seater you know tiny tiny play or we tell it in front of 10 million on network is the main purpose of the work that we do is it to allow viewers to lean further into that which they find comfortable or is it to lead viewers towards uncharted territory that might not be fully comfortable currently because i say that because 
you're not getting jobs because the American idea of what Indian people should look like is that they are darker. And so when they tell stories that include Indian characters, they are going for clarity. They are going for ease of reception for their viewers because dark Indians is already what the American viewer knows more than light Indians, okay? So, so I think, I think we should continue to explore what drives us beyond our own need to fulfill our uh, achievement markers in our career. If we're gonna do this job, where this job uh, accumulates visibility for us, the more that we do it, then I think the, the big win that we can go for, that we can strive for, as we are in this luxurious position of being paid to hit some marks and say some lines, okay? It, it's not a good enough deal for me if I'm just getting paid to say some lines and hit some marks, right? I think I'm being paid as a part, as one slice of this bigger conversation of, hey, do we want to change minds or are we feeding our viewers what they are already comfortable with. I think the former is more worthwhile of my time and energy. I mean, um, just to get back, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I'm not saying I don't have jobs. You know, actually, I'm glad that I'm, I'm really ambiguous, you know, looking. So I do go in for like Hispanic, Middle Eastern roles. I really don't need Indian roles. I just wish it changes because there are a lot of, you know, fair looking Indians. That's all. And I mean, if you ever go to India, you would know right away. You would recognize it. And I really hope that changes. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, I it's not just to go say alliance. That's not my goal either. You know, of course, there's a bigger picture to it. Uh, what, I, what I mean is a lot of actors do complain about it. You know, they complain and complain. You know, oh, hey, you know, this is what's happening. And my whole thing is then write your own shit. Because at the end of the day, I don't expect the white people to really understand my country. You know, they just don't blame them. I really don't blame them because they know my experience, right? So I prefer if there is an Indian dude, Indian filmmaker, I want you to write it, you know, write it the way you want. No terrorists, no Uber drivers, no doctors. Make it any way you want and I'll play it. Hire me. You know, we'll do it. And I'm completely fine with that. And that's the goal, you know, that's the goal. Change things. And I just don't want to rely on the industry, you know, that's all I'm trying to say. I don't want, I don't want anyone, you know, everybody complains and you stay in the same spot. And then you say, I'm not a working actor. The goal is to be a working actor at the end of the day. And I mean, Riz Ahmed is changing the whole game right now. You know what I mean? Kumail Nanjiani is changing the whole game. You know, everybody's changing, but they all started somewhere because they knew, look, I still got to work. But at the same time, I mean, you can always say no. Look, it's up to you. You can always say no to a job. Exactly. And yeah, I totally agree with that sentiment. Like, um, uh, I, I just, I've totally like turned down things that I didn't want to do because of being in the luxurious place of like not having to take that job. That's not a position that everybody can be in. But, you know, when I was, when I 
first started 20 years ago at age 17, you know, when I said, okay, I'm going to make it as an actor in this country, what I specifically said at the time was like, I got to be the first like Asian dude that can be a working actor without having to punch somebody in the face every scene that I'm in. Right. Like I specifically remember having that particular thought. And so if we're exploring stereotypes, yeah, like as an Asian dude, look, our specific history is different than South Asians with this country, even with East Asian women, uh, it's different. East Asian women have been long time used as a an exotic sexualized entity. Right. So there's that one big slice. And then if you're not that, then you're barely like existent. Right. That's how timid and quiet you are. And for dudes, it's the same sort of emasculation or whatever. But but if you're not that, if you're not the quiet, you know, like this guy, if you're not this guy, then you better be like doing some jump kicks off of trees and shit. Right. I, well, I wasn't interested in doing that. And so I was like, well, what kind of like just straight up human stories can I tell in this country with me being me? And um, I will say that every role that I have played in film, TV and theater, not every role, the majority of them for me has been playing a character completely void of sexuality, right? That is the biggest hurdle for Asian men to overcome in this country. And what better place to do it than through the arts, right? So, um, the majority of everything I've played for television is just some kind of worker, right? I talk like I'm from New York, so it's very easy to put me in a cop costume and then I'll just be a cop, like no problem. I've been so many different cops because it's easy, but I've only played guest star cops, which means just show up, be a cop, don't be anything else, right? I'm just like, you know, I auditioned for a series reg on the new Law and Order Organized Crime back in October when they were figuring out that show. And I was just thinking, oh man, what an awesome time to, to create an Asian series regular cop for a, 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 a widely seen procedural that can take on all that's happening in this country uh, with, you know, uh, police brutality and also take on the Asian uh, American experience of existing, it, you know, uh, walking down the street and having to be afraid of whether you're going to be assaulted or not simply because of your ethnicity, right? But then what happened? They got rid of that role, right? So like, that show has no series regular uh, uh, Asian character. And that happens all the time. We know where we are on the, just in terms of like the hierarchy of like taking care of people of color, making sure 
that they're like content enough to not flip a fucking shit. On that chart, we are very much on the bottom. We've been on the bottom. They count on us to be on the bottom because they continue to, to count on us to be that model minority, whatever that means. We didn't come up with that term. White people came up with that term, right? And they are coming up with that term as a parameter for how we should exist in their country. Nah, fuck that, yo. Going on the point of like creating your own work, that's that's the only way. If you feel strongly about uh, being um, represented in a very limited fashion through American storytelling, then you have to change American storytelling from the inside. Wow. Okay. I'm going to hop in just because I have so many thoughts and I have no way to organize them. But so I think like the main thing that is interest is like important to talk about is, you know, AAPI encompasses so many different races and so many different cultures that there's just not one perspective at all. Like, you know, during on Instagram with AAPI, all the stop AAPI hate happening, like there's so many things telling people how to feel or like how to treat Asians now or like all this that I was like, I don't agree with that at all. And don't speak for me. Even if you're Asian, we're different, you know, like even within API, we have so many, all these countries that have really complex, long histories to get, you know, within each other that there's just not one opinion at all. So that's kind of like the overall thing I've been thinking, but kind of going back to like crazy rich Asians or, um, was it fresh off the boat? You know, I, it's, I think a lot about in theater, there's King and I and Miss Saigon, you know, all these Asian shows that are deeply problematic. <laughs> like, so I have two different opinions that are so opposite, but yet they coexist, which is like, on one hand, I hate how Asians are represented in King and I and Miss Saigon, even though I've been in King and I a couple of times, I haven't enjoyed putting my forehead on the ground and bowing. I have not enjoyed that. At the same time, it has employed so many Asians and given them their Broadway debut or like their dream career that they've worked so hard for. And it's like, I don't wanna tell them like, no, you shouldn't take that job or like you shouldn't celebrate that victory because it doesn't represent as well. You know, so there's this like kind of, I, I believe both those things and like seeing fresh off the boat, Crazy Rich Asians still deeply problematic. There's still like problems with it as well. However, I think there's something to be said about like that first step forward. It's not, we're so far from the ideal in my opinion of like Asians just not being like a stereotype at all. Just another, just a, just American, just another person, just a complex human instead of like Asian, you know, like I think we're pretty far from that, but growing up and never seeing Asians ever portrayed as anything except for the nerdy sidekick ever. Like that's, that was my whole, until I was 20, that's all I, all I saw. So seeing Crazy Rich Asians for me was like, oh my God, look at that sexy Asian man. Finally, like that man is fucking hot. And like, that is so nice to see. Cause you just don't, we're never represented that way. So it's like, I, I so agree with a lot of the things like people are saying, I agree with the opposite opinions often. And I feel very conflicted because I think both can exist. You know, we have a way to go, but we can recognize the small victory on the way there, I think is one thing. Um, 
And then <laughs> so many thoughts. Um, something you talked about, TJ, which I think is so interesting, and it's kind of a whole another topic, but it's kind of like a almost like a reverse colorism. And there's like a lot of talk, like a lot of talk about skin color, about like proximity to whiteness. And I, I just find it interesting to hear your perspective because I'm sitting here thinking like, ooh, the whiter you are, the more you're gonna be cast. Or like, you know, and it's it might it might be more that like I think maybe because Indians are being written by white Americans as the other, and therefore they want the other to be darker skinned. You know, it's like interesting how the more other you are, the less white you are. So even like, I just binged Bridgerton, which has no Asians, no Latinx, just anything. But anyway, it was interesting to me how the light skinned black people were the hot ones. And then any dark skinned black people were like, the adult characters, the not sexy ones. Like, and I think that same thing happens broadly with like Asians. I, I for a long time was kind of resentful of, of half Asians because I felt like they could play all these roles that I couldn't. Like they, they look like the lead and I look like the sidekick. And I had a long time being pretty resentful. And then my, my boyfriend's half black. And so we had a long talk about identity and mm -hmm. I can't like, I, it's not, it's not like I'm against mixed people at all. It's just this like frustration that like, how come you're seen as a complex person and i'm seen as this sidekick like why am i this so like you know tying it all back to the stereotype question i don't know if there's a specific stereotype that i want to break even though there's so many obvious ones like women are sexualized asian men are so desexualized <laughs> there's like some study i saw on bumble that was like asian men and black women are the least swiped on it's like it just sucks and you kind of see that in tv also you see it but um I think the biggest thing overall is like, I just don't want us to be the other anymore. I want us to be the main character. I want us to be, or like any character that's just not like, I want us to be as complex as humans actually are and not this like, <laughs> all these stereotypes put onto one person to represent this thing that makes white Americans comfortable because that's how they're used to seeing us. Do you write, Stephanie? Maybe, maybe the story is about figuring out a relationship with somebody who's biracial. You know, there's so much there uh, that I think when put out there, um, you will be heard. You will be heard. And I think those, those are the steps that we can take if we don't think the progress is going fast enough. Like, none of us are sitting here being like, it's the same as it was in 1940 for us, right? Um, it's just we're being able to be aware of like where the room is. And yeah, I think being, being courageous enough to get clear about what you actually want to say, because that's what I'm, you know, at being an actor, um, you are in this position where you have an outlet that outlet continues to grow the more you work so you'll get to a point where like there will be enough people that will hear um the full truths that you must express you know and uh when 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 those opportunities are present you know i'm just trying to punch through those walls so absolutely yeah I totally would like to, I'm sorry. I, I will say that I'm doing more on like the music side of writing my Great. own stuff. 
Um, I would love, like I've dabbled a little bit in writing over quarantine and like my, me and a Latinx friend of mine have found so many interesting similarities in how we're portrayed in media and kind of like, you know, we're immigrants and we're others. We're not like the main <laughs> ever. And so we kind of like started to write a screenplay about that challenging that. And so, so yes, I, I just, I completely agree that the answer is more people of color, more, you know, specifically AAPI people behind the table, actually that's writing that's the material, casting that's everyone. That's, that's absolutely the answer. There are basically two approaches to, I think, forward movement or basically uh, in the quest of trying to be more seen, right? Everybody, everybody wants to be more seen, right? In this time, in this country, people of color, um, are in a movement together to be more seen on varying levels. Like black people are straight up just trying to not get killed for existing as a black person. You get what I'm saying? Uh, this, uh, we, we're all trying to get more seen. So there are two, I think, two approaches to that. And Black people have a history with this country that cannot be denied and can't really, there's not a lot of wiggle room to uh, understand the nuance of slavery, for instance. So the response to slavery will be eternal and the amount that white people that don't really care about diversity, they still are made to care about the history that they were a part of with black people. And so what that has afforded black people over time is having the better approach be the more overt one, right? They can say, they can get together and say, I am black and I am proud. That is not something that Asian people, at least I haven't felt that that is something that actually amounts to anything when we do it right and and so then what winds up happening is when we don't have that hammer available to us in real life we put that hammer into the art that we make because oh my god one out of a million chance i get this slot to get my story made and get my story heard well then this opportunity I must use to, to draw as much, you know, uh, dedicated attention to my problems as possible. That's one way. Uh, that's one way. That is, I think, to an extent, Crazy Rich Asians, when you put, when you, when you have to say who you are, almost as a, you know, as a, as a discount up front, you get what I'm saying? It's like, oh, hey, hey, please give me two hours of your time to take in this story. But just so you know, it will be about Asian people, okay? I don't want you to be ambushed by that fact and at an hour in feel like, you know, duped. Well, I think, I think then there's the other like two polar opinions that I also have on that, which is like, yes, I would like to be just per a, a person who doesn't necessarily have to be Asian, but then I also do want to see my culture represented at the same time. So it's like, how can those two, they, they do exist together. I feel both of them. Uh, I was going to say, I agree with both of those opinions because while, you know, I don't want to be hired and written for because I'm Asian, like that is a very important part 
to me about that I have to share. So I do want to see, um, you know, I'm, I'm a cop or, you know, I'm working a ticket counter or like, I want to see it all. But at the same time, I love the cultural clashes because that also makes interesting stories to me. And that is what to me represents America, America, like the, that melting pot of cultures and all those perspectives. So basically I want it all. I want it all. <laughs> I think, I think what's so interesting too, is like, we have this burden of representation. So it's like, we keep fighting to not have to represent all of our people. <laughs> like I can, I can be, I can be a super Korean, like have all the cultural things there, but like, I don't have to represent all of Korea, but for people who aren't exposed to a lot of Korean people, let alone Asian people, they're going to be like, oh, that's what they're all like. Like that, that's, I think that's the ultimate goal would be like, for me to not have to feel like I represent all Asians, which mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the question I'd love to end with is if you ran into a 13 year old you, what advice would you give them? But uh, Stephanie, we'll start with you. Oh gosh. Um, I guess my response would be that you're capable of so much more than you think. Like when I was 13, I thought I could only play Asian, Asian characters in Asian shows. You, you can do, you can make it for yourself. You can make these things for yourself, just like we were talking about. If, if it's not the music you want, you can make it yourself. If it's not the song, you, if it's not the show you like, make it yourself. I don't, I felt very helpless, especially at 13. Uh, TJ? Um, I would say just accept who you are and really don't let insecurities take over your life. That's what I would say. Because the sooner you deal with them, the better it is, because it's really hard to break out of it as you get older. And just being who you are, you know, and letting go of control. That's another thing, because we all try to control things. We become control freaks. We become narcissism. And nar narcissistic traits are fine. I mean, it does help you in some ways, but it also affects you a lot of ways. So just that balance of really accepting who you are and be, that's, that's, the, that, that's the best form of, uh, I mean, if you're going to be an actor, I mean, it's all about accepting who you are. You're going to show that on screen. If not, you're going to struggle being that taking the next step in acting <clears throat> or in general, generally in life as well, build relationships. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. And, um, and also one last thing, don't ever be a bystander, you know, don't ever be a bystander. It's worse than actually opposing something, you know, in the wrong way. I think, I think someone who just stays silent, they're way more dangerous. I feel because, you know, always stand up for what you believe in no matter how small it is. Um, you know, I'm doing it now, but I wish I did it way earlier, you know, had that confidence and not just sit back and, you know, watch the world. Um, but yeah, I think things are moving in the right direction in terms of representation. Uh, there's a long, long way to go, but they are moving in the right direction. I like to look at the positives, you know, we are all right on stuff and yeah. way like a lot of work out there for us. No complaints can, no excuses for anyone. You know, <laughs> we're all auditioning. Um, if you're, if you have excuses, you're a lazy actor. That's all I got to say. Uh, Erica? <sighs> I would tell my 13-year-old self, who had braces and a middle part and glasses at the time, <laughs> that um, you are worthy. Because I noticed that a lot of the things I struggle with, you know, the confidence and, and um, how that affects my relationships and my work 
and what I decide to do and not do has to come, seems to come down to not feeling worthy and not feeling like sometimes if I'm lazy, I'm like, I have to remind myself, you are worthy of the work. So do it. Um, and when I get defensive, I'm like, and I look to myself, I'm like, why did I take it that way? I think because I'm not confident in myself. So for me, it would be, you are worthy and you are worth it. And Johnny? Uh, this is to our own 13-year-old self. Yes. Well, then I would tell my 13-year-old self that there is a lot more to being a person than having to be angry all the time. <laughs> I was just a very angry kid then, and I held on to it for longer than I needed to. But now that I've on my way to, to letting that go completely, it's really opened up a, a lot of truth for me to latch onto elsewhere. And that concludes this episode of Multicultural TV Talk. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And a massive thank you to Stephanie Park, Erica Wong, TJ Krishnan, and Johnny Wu for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show and would like to hear more, then please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and never miss an episode. And head on over to MediaVillage.com to check out all our articles, columns, reviews, and interviews. Thank you all so much. I'm Juan Yala, and you're listening to Multicultural TV Talk.